leaving a legacy. So I want to welcome you back again, of course, and uh, thanks for coming tonight and being a part of this. So six weeks ago, we began the series looking at the power of vision and how important that is. And so obviously in the grand scheme of what we're doing here at Valley, we're, we're wanting to reach for God and to just ask, God, what is it that you want us to do? How can we advance your kingdom? And he's made it clear to us, and that was to go forward. That's the word that God, as we were praying about this series, you know, we had a lot of different things that, that other churches had done, and we could have easily used, you know, something, something else someone had done. But God just dropped that word in my heart forward. You know, very simple. It's just going forward. And I think it translates into our region too sometimes. Matter of fact, I, I got to just say this real quickly that years, 15 years ago when I first came here, I asked the Lord and he, and he was, he was said, you know, the church is kind of dug in. It's been in battle. I could, could kind of see that the church had had a, 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 a rifle pit, a, a foxhole that was dug out and they were just kind of holding their own because of all the stuff, you know, that, that the church had been through. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, David, get them out and move them forward. You know, it's kind of like coming up and seeing the shell-shocked church of what, Jennifer, you guys had gone through and what you'd struggled with, and God just said, get them up, get them moving forward. And so it's almost like it's that same vision for us as God is to saying, keep moving forward. Because that's, that's folks, that's how you win. <laughs> that's how you overcome, that is keep going forward because God, the battle belongs to him, amen? He is our rear guard. He is our offense. Send Judah first, the whole nine yards. So, um, so today we're going to look at First Chronicles chapter 9, and I've already shared this, this sermon with the leaders last Sunday night, but uh, good news for you guys, it's going to be a little more, uh, a little more than what I shared, and so a little more complete is, as far as a little more time spent on that, on that section of Scripture. So we're going to look at that. But six weeks ago, we, we, we started talking about vision, and then Ephesians chapter 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So when we talk about a vision, it, it does seem overwhelming. It does seem like something bigger than us. But that's what a vision from God is. It is something bigger than us. It's going to be something that only God can fulfill through us. And so he tells us that, guess what? You know what? I am going to do it abundantly. And uh, so we've been trusting him for that. Then we talked about God's dream and vision, and of course how it's impossible of course, to accomplish without him. So we've been praying, we've been seeking him, we've been learning how to sharpen our ability to hear his voice and then to obey his voice and, and to move together as a congregation. So it's a compelling thing, this vision that God has given us. It's compelling. It's, it's going to be something that's not mundane, it's not usual. And even though there are lots of churches that are growing, but there are a lot of churches that aren't either. And there are times when the church gets stuck but we're in a season where God is really pouring out his blessing and favor upon us. And so it's a wonderful thing. Many more healings, many more, you know, prodigals being brought back to the house, many more people breaking through poverty and experiencing the favor and blessing of God. That's what we've got to look forward to. And uh, so it is a, a very compelling thing. So, you know, we don't want to put buildings first. We really never have here at Valley. And, uh, but this building is important for us to be able to do what God has called us to do and uh, to be able to facilitate the vision. We talked about the vehicle. We've got a vision. Now we need a vehicle to make that happen. And we've got a nice one. We've used this, but we need to expand upon it. So we've given you some details on that. And, uh, but we made it really clear that, that it, it's people is our priority here. It's a sheep shed. 
okay? It's not going to be some grand cathedral with flying buttresses and the whole nine yards. It's going to be a building that is going to be very practical and useful for what we need it to be used for, for outreaches, for all the different things, to be a place where we can make God's praise glorious, amen? To do what we do just in a grander scale, make more more room at the table for those worshipers who really do want to worship him in spirit and truth. And so that's that, you know, people worshiping Christ, gathering people, making his praise glorious, teaching the word of God, restoring families and individuals with the word of God, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's our vision. That's what we're called to be and to do. And uh, so this vehicle is going to help us do that more, accommodate more people to uh, then... There's one aspect of it that I haven't really said a lot about, and that is so that we can become that kind of platform that we need to do to take the next step forward in what God has called Valley to be, not only in this region, but uh, uh, in beyond, the nations God is calling us to, training up the next generation of leaders uh, with our Bible college and then the the, uh, conservatory. It's neat. We're bringing in, we were given a, a... uh, another baby grand piano which we've got set up in there and then we're able to move the dig- digital piano into another room so it's kind of beginning to happen so we're training up these musicians so that they can use their gifts for the glory of God and that's just going to really take off I'm so excited about that going to be good stuff folks much much more in uh, what God wants to do so we're going to look at First Chronicles chapter 29 tonight and so we're going to put it up there shoot I forgot um to give you guys the NIV version of that. I'm sorry about that, Ryan, but so I'm just going to read what I have, and uh, I'm not sure. Are you going to put up NIV tonight? You are? So we tell you what, let me read it from there. So go ahead and put that up, and I'll just read around with you guys. I've been confusing them lately with the translation, so here we go. Then King David said to the whole assembly, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great, Because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood. As well as onks for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And all of these in large quantities. Wouldn't you have loved to have seen all of that? Just an amazing uh, cache of treasures to be used for the glory of God. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the building. I mean, 7,000 talents. That's an enormous amount. For the gold work and the silver work and for the work to be done by the craftsmen, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today. Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work of the temple of God. 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely 
and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king rejoiced greatly. So there are a couple of words and phrases throughout this section that I want to hit on tonight before we finish and, uh, and in this passage that I think that we need to take a moment to look at as we prepare our hearts to, to move forward in this pledge. Number one, David points out that the work was great. And obviously with the temple, it was probably the, the most expensive building probably in the history of mankind, I would imagine, with all the precious metals and stones and everything was put into it. It must have been an unbelievably glorious thing when it was all done with the marble and the, the gleaming uh, uh, you know, throughout the city. But David pointed that out. It was a, it was a, a task that was absolutely great. It was big. It was bigger than them. And that's exactly the way we're looking at this. We're looking at this as a precious thing to God. And, you know, all of us on staff and all of us who've been praying, we're, we want to dedicate this building. We want to dedicate all of this, not as something that we worship or, or we see it as, um, you know, a holy place, but it's a holy item. It's something to be used for the glory of God. It's going to be something that we're so very excited about using for his glory. So it's a great thing, and it's a great task, no doubt. You know, when we look at the numbers, obviously we've been looking at like two to two and a half million dollars. That's a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money when you think of it. Certainly a whole lot more than, than I ever expect to have in, in one situation. But it's absolutely something that is worth every dime of it for what it's going to represent for the kingdom of God. So very important for to see that, that it's a great thing. It's great. As David saw the great, our great opportunity here is, is, is no less, you know, in our hearts of what we're going to use it for. There is no doubt. Number two, he said, I set my affection. In verse three, he says, moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, I've given to the house of my God. So David, he's, he, in his job, in his work, in, in his focus, his profession in being king, he had done all, he was faithful. It was always in David's heart to build that temple. But God said, no, David, you're not going to do it. But he said, but you know what? I am going to use, he, he could have popped an attitude, as they say, and just said, well, then I'll leave it for David to do completely. But that's not David. David was so excited about being a part. He knew that he was going to be a part of it right up to a certain level. So he used his profession. He used his kingship. He used the, 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 the conquests of his battles. Whatever he did in order to acquire the wealth, he set it aside for the purpose of building this wonderful temple. You know, we have a lot of causes out there, don't we? In David's mind, this was the cause. In David's mind, I mean, think about that for a moment. Here's a king who could have done many things. He could have... Uh, like they did in Egypt. He could have had monuments to himself, but he never did that. David was thinking only one thing. Before I die, I want to know that I have provided a place for the glory of God to exist among God's people. That's a unique thing. And as I've said before, and I'll say it again, David was unique in all the Bible. He's the only one that he's, God says he was a man after my own heart. And that was part of the reason. The other reason is what David wanted to see happen inside the temple. He did so many wonderful creative things that were not in the tabernacle, were not in the instructions for the Levites to carry out. David had an addendum. He added the worship team. He added the music. He added all the wonderful things because he wanted to be a, a wonderful place for the glory of God. And yet God could have struck him down for that. I mean, 
uh, what was it, Nadab and Abihu was struck down because of the strange fire, just for that one thing. But David, God looked at David and said, I see your heart. David, you're trying to add to what I told, but you know what? That's exactly what I'm after. And so David, he set his affection upon it. It was his priority. And folks, when we think about the expansion of the kingdom of God, you know what? There's a, there are tons of things that we can invest our time into. We can put our money into so many things. But you know what? You know what is the hope of the world today? You know, you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have temples anymore, but we do have the local church. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't become violent or angry or anything like that, but when I hear people knocking the church, any church, it really bothers me. Because, and I've had to pull people aside and just look them in the eye and say, be careful. That's Jesus' bride. You know, you don't go to a wedding and sit there in the crowd and start shouting things to the bride as she walks by or, or criticize her gown or, man, she doesn't look like she put a lot of work into her makeup this morning. You know, you're not going to do that. And that is the church. The church is the apple of God's eye. What we are and what we are doing here, folks, are you ready for this? I know it, I know it seems to be you know, building up my job description, but the truth of the matter is I've got the greatest job on the planet, and that is to lead the bride of Christ, to take what is the most glorious thing that's on the planet right now, the local church. There is no other place in Scripture, there is no other organization that has the same mandate as we have. That God is I is upon us, that we have the great commission from Jesus himself to say, now go and make my praise glorious. Go and preach the gospel to all nations. That's us. So is the task great? It's huge. It's beyond the building. It is to win for him the reward of his suffering. And so the building, man, it's just a shell, but it gives us the ability to then continue to do what he's called us to do. So you've got the federal government, the Red Cross, the university systems. You know, we've got aid relief agencies out there. We've got all these different things out there, but nothing touches the great commission of the local church. I know you could argue with me on that, but I'm telling you, it's the local church. Who we are, what we're called to do. Now, are we perfect? No. And, and of course, there are a lot of churches out there that may stumble along the way and not be able to carry out you know, what God has called them to do, but we don't give up. We keep driving on. And that's my heart as your pastor is to make this the most glorious, the, the, the place where I know you're going to be able to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That if you make this your church home, that we're going to equip you to do the work of the, uh, of the ministry, that we're going to provide a place where you can worship, that we're going to teach you the word of God to help to raise your children to walk, to, to be what God has called you to be, to be salt and light. That's the vision of the local church. It is on the heart of God, and it's not going away until he comes. What is, you know what he's coming back for? He's not coming, for, coming back for any nation. He's not coming back for any government. He's not coming back for any ism. He's not coming back for anything but the people of God in the local church. That's what we're called to be. So pardon my focus. Pardon me looking at David and saying, yeah, absolutely, I am passionate about this because he's called us to it, he's called me to it, and doggone if we're not going to get it done. Amen?
we need to go forward. Thirdly, David said he gave over and above. David said, look, I have provided with my vocation in the kingship. It was my passion. But David stepped away from essentially being a pastor and saying, now out of my own personal finances, I'm going to give to this. And that's what it says. He says, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the house of the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. And this is where we can get excited, folks, that God supernaturally multiplies our seed, the over and above offerings that we give to him. We've, we've taught that. You learn that in next step. We, we know that this is biblical, that there's, there's our tithe, and that first 10% belongs to him. Then there is the offering, and that's over and above that. And those are for special things like this. And where God is watching, and those are seeds that are sown. And talk about the 30, the 60, 60 the 100 times pouring back into our lap. Last week I talked about that, and I'll say it again. You can never outgive God. You never can. Matter of fact, the more we make what is precious to him our priority, God says, you know what? You're trustworthy, and I'm going to continue to pour out into you so that you can continue to be a blessing. That's Bible. That's Bible. And David is showing us by example. So David, he gave extravagantly over and above his own offerings to the Lord for this opportunity. And uh, so we see that in David's example. And then in verse 5, it says this, the fourth point, they consecrated themselves. 29 verse 5. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? So folks, look, this is exactly the way we're looking at this. We're looking at this as a moment for us to step up and say, yes, Lord, I want to be a part of something awesome, something great, something that's on your heart, something that's advancing your kingdom forward. So to consecrate, what does that mean, to consecrate oneself? Well, if you look at it, it really means to set apart. It means to, to, to take a step back and say, I am dedicating my time, my energies, my resources to the kingdom of God. And that's exactly right. Look, as a Christian, a Christ follower, really, that's the starting point. What does the Bible tell us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1? What is our reasonable response to the wonderful gift of salvation? To be living sacrifices, folks. Okay, that we belong to him, right? And then everything we have, everything that comes through us belongs to him as well. So to consecrate ourselves, I think we do too much to set ourselves aside, you know, or, or to, to look and compartmentalize our lives. We need to allow God to use us for his glory in more ways than just on a Sunday morning or a Thursday night, but our whole life. And that means to take a step back and examine everything about our energy, our time, and our resources. And how is it being used for the glory of God? And then number five, the leaders offered willingly. So David makes that challenge to say, who will consecrate themselves? The next thing is the leaders offered themselves willingly. So they stepped forward. It says the captains and the leaders among Israel uh, stepped forward. And you know why the leaders? Well, it's because the people were looking to the leaders. The leaders needed to go first. So last Sunday night, it was neat. We had, we had over 70 leaders come, and they took their step first. They made their pledges first. And we had a wonderful night of worship. 
we, uh, we ate together, we hung out together, we fellowshiped, and then we had a time of worship. And I shared a short message with them and, and a couple of personal thoughts. And then they came down like we're going to do here in a moment, and they made their pledges, and they went first. And so I wish you could have seen that, but tonight all the leaders who are here tonight that were there Sunday night are going are gonna to do it again. So you're going to say, well, why? You're, you know, you're asking for a double, double dip for these leaders? No. They're just going to do it again, and they're going to fill it out, their card, and they're just going to write duplicate on it. But I want them to, to do that again. I've asked them to do that again so that we can all share this together. But it was important that, that they step out first, that we step out, that I step out first, like David, to say, look, okay, my vocation, my energy, my time, my effort, my, my uh, vocation, you know, the 24-7 is serving as your pastor is what I provide to do, but it's got to be more than that. I, I, I've got to, I, I'm an individual. I'm, I'm just David Schmaltz. I'm just a Christian beyond all of that. And so Andrea and I, we have made our decisions too. We've, we've looked at our finances, our, our, our financial goals for the next three years, and we've made the adjustments. We've just said, okay, we're going to make this kingdom priority first. We've been here many, many times. I've shared with you that in coming here, we had to make a big sacrifice. There have been many times in our lives we've just said, well, look, we've got to make kingdom priority for a while. And we've watched God come flooding in to not only to, to make sure that every dime that we were dedicating and consecrating God was, was being covered, and then even more so. Now, if you've done this before, you know what I'm talking about. If you've never done this before, then all I can say is it's like the green eggs and ham. Try it. Try it, and you will see. <laughs> right? You will see. Because I think it comes across that way sometimes. You know, but that's the way the kingdom of God works. It is contrary to what the world does. It's contrary to what our heart wants to do. When we sacrifice and lay ourselves down, and we lay down certain things in a sacrificial manner, we have to trust him. We have to put it out there. And God says, I got your back. Sixth and final point here. The people, people then responded Willingly, Verse 9, then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willing. They watched the leaders, and then they rejoiced, probably a big shout, and they went forward, and they gave as well. And so all of that went to the temple. Now, in the case of that, they had everything they need to make it something special. And that wasn't the only time. Matter of fact, I think over 60 different times in Scripture that they were building projects. There were events where the people had to rise up and to make it happen. And in both cases, with the, the temple, uh, rather the tabernacle in the wilderness, they gave more than enough where Bezalel had to step in and say, look, it's enough. Tell him to stop giving. We got everything we need in order to make this thing happen. And in the temple, everything was provided for. So folks, we need to rise up. We need to make this happen. And it's in our heart. It's, it's, it's out there. We put it before God, and let's see what, what God does. So we're going to finish here in just a moment, and, uh, and we're going to come up, and we're going we're to worship while we do that, bring up our cards. We're going to give you some time to, to fill them out. But when I, as you're considering this, remember the three levels of giving, and I'll share it again. That is, what can I afford? That's that level one, and that's where anybody who is a giver or learns to be a giver, that's where we always start. We always look at what we can afford. We can look at what our needs are, and then we live out. We, whatever's left, so to speak, can go to God. The second level of 
giving is what can I sacrifice? And so that's thinking differently altogether. Now that's taking that step in the direction of what I was sharing with you, to be a, a consecrated individual, to look at your life, your finances, your resource, as all belonging to God and saying, okay, now I need to dig in a little deeper. I need, I don't, I need to get out of my comfort zone. I need to start you know, biting into some areas that I'm willing to let go, whether it be some niceties or like in, 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 in our case, and I'm sure your case, of, of maybe some financial goals that you might have to put on, on hold for a little bit because I want that to be my priority first. And when you do that, again, God is watching. Matter of fact, in most cases, when what we put on hold, God comes back and releases again. I've seen it so many, 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 many times. And then thirdly, what can I trust God to do through me? And that's another level altogether. That's going beyond sacrifice to say, okay, now I want to start thinking faith. So there are little things in my life, I, I call them little things, or they'll actually be quite substantial over a three-year period of time, where I'll say, okay, what can I begin to do? I was sharing with another brother tonight who's doing the same thing. He's, 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 he's stepping into doing things that will generate income that he wants to go toward the, the, uh, the building. And I said, you know what? I've been doing that too. I've been creating things that will generate some income that I can completely dedicate to God. And so that's getting, so that means I'm not going to be watching TV during that time. You know, and I was just thinking about that the other night. It was just like, man, how much wasted time do any of us, you know, if we look at our life and really just begin to look at how much could we use for doing things, whether it be just going through our stuff and having a garage sale or, or whatever, or taking on a new um, uh, little side job that whatever it's made that could be dedicated to God. Matter of fact, I was walking past Ben tonight. He was in there playing the piano. And he said, Dad, you need to start playing the piano. And I'm like, I looked at him and I said, you know what? You're right. I said, I've always wanted to do that. I mean, I'm married to this woman who plays piano for 30 years and I've never taken it up. So I can play guitar, but I'm like, why not? <laughs> That's the way I'm thinking these days. Why not? You know, how much of our life can we begin stepping into something new? Well, you know, it doesn't have to be music, but I mean, anything. Anything that, that God can do out of your life to just evaluate your life. What, what more can be done through me because I'm committing it, sacrificing it, consecrating it to God? So at this point right now, I'm going to ask uh, you to pull out your card, okay? And if you're here tonight and you don't have one, please raise your hand up. Caroline and the team will make sure you get one, okay? So we got the forward card. So we're going to do this together and uh, ask my wife, Andrea, to come and to join me up here because we're going to fill ours out again, even though we've, we've already turned ours in, but we're going to fill it out. And uh, so what we want to do is I want to go over this and explain the card if you haven't had a chance to look at it. But I'm just going to read it here. It says, I believe that this is the defining moment in the history of Valley Community Church and that God is working through us to bring forth our hope and future. I prayerfully commit to step out in faith and give the following above my regular tithes and offerings. Okay, I had some questions about that, but yes, this is going to be, this is what is called a dedicated, uh, or uh, a dedicated gift to that. Yeah. And so going, I'm going right down through the card here. So there's a total commitment over the three-year period that what we need you to do is just put that total amount there because then we'll be able to have that, uh, that bird's eye vision. And then on March 14th and the 17th, now that's a Thursday night and Sunday, the first installment toward that total amount, we're asking you to write that down too. So what we're going to do is on those that weekend, 
we're gonna do our, it's gonna be our first, we're calling it our first fruit, our vision offering toward it. And so we're asking you to bring your best gift on that day, okay? So I wrote that down with what it's gonna be, a, a percentage of that total. So we're gonna be able to bring that and there's many reasons why we're asking you to do that. Number one, that can get us jump-started to get moving on what we need to do, all right? So write that down there so that we know how to plan. And then I plan to give the remainder, so you're going you're to remove that first payment from the total, and then how you plan uh, to give that. So weekly, monthly, yearly, or even a one-time gift. So there are other ideas on how, how you can do that if you've got stocks or real estate or any other assets, because... You know, they, they brought their gold, they brought their silver, they brought their precious stones. Everything was uh, d uh, there. So anyway, you can see it. There's a little table at the bottom. We'll give you an idea to kind of help you work that through. All right, so we're going to, we're just going to, Andrew and I are going to work on our card. And while we're doing, we ask you to do the same. So just take a moment, just a few minutes where we ask you to fill this out. Because here in a few moments, we're going to worship and we're going to ask you to come out of your seats and bring those cards and put them in these, these baskets. So. It's, we wanted you to do that. I mean, you could have, we could have just come and pick them up. But what we want you to do is to see this as a consecration event. We want you to see that when you stand up, you're doing this. You're moving forward, too, as you put these in the boxes. Amen? So it's a symbolic thing. All right. So we're going to get, take some moment uh, where we'll just, Meredith will just play for us. And I'll come back to you in just one second. 